for seven years An definition of crazy All right, well, welcome back, everybody, to the Awkward Bounce. Um, I think we're going to have a good time today. Joel, who do we got? Uh, we got a couple guys here. One, uh, start with Dan Hilton. Okay mm-hmm. to use your last name? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, of uh, just s- did. I know. <laughs> well, I can always edit it <laughs> No, out. please, God. That's right. Uh, <laughs> of the Southern Resident Killer Whales. Is that the correct name of the band? That's right. We'll get to the name, why that name in a bit, but... Uh, and also a uh, basketball commenter on uh, Canis Hoopus and probably other places as well. Welcome, Kevin. I'm mean, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, <laughs> this is yeah. awkward. This, that's really on brand. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, and as my uh, faux pas just indicated, we also have Kevin, who is also known by many other names. Catalina Wine Mixer, uh, Passive Aggressive Mom, Dad's Funny Jokes, uh, Nilis uh, Wojnarowski, um, that's all I, I can think of right now. You're a passive-aggressive mom. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it would probably be better to just introduce you by all the accounts in which you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So um, so I'm not, yeah, most of them I'm not because there are a lot more now than there ever were before. Um, the one I really like is the, um, who's the announcer for the Knicks? What's his name? The oh. Clyde Frazier. Clyde, Clyde yeah. Frazier. That's funny. I like that yeah. bit. You That's know who not that me. is, don't you? I, I assume it's um, elevator music, but I don't know. No, it's. Um, I, I, mean, I guess I don't know if I should call it, but no, I think it's public knowledge. It's uh, Chris Riazzi of the Canis Hoopus podcast fame. I did not know uh. that. And I guess it is public because they actually put like Clyde Frazier is credited as being one of the p- writers of the Canis Hoopus podcast when they post those, <laughs> and then he's not. You know, there's no Clyde Frazier not actually. I hope. Which, how great would that be if they could get Clyde Frazier to be on the Canis Hoopus podcast? By the way, I think. Oh yeah, it, like in in character. Like, be no, no, no. Actual. Oh, the actual. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a, a topic worth talking about at some point. Would be the uh, former player. Analysts that are not adding anything to your knowledge of the game, but are entertaining to listen to, nevertheless, Clyde Frazier, uh, Trent Tucker, once upon a time, but that sort of Kevin Lynch. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get this out of the way that it, I, I know that Jim Peterson is wildly popular and for good reason. He gives great analysis, but Trent Tucker was the greatest color man in the history <laughs> of sports. I, 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 I could listen to him talk recovered from the loss of Trent Trent. And again, his basketball takes, I think, are... No. I'm just going to say, I think they're terrible, the, but he was... No, no, no. The content of what he's saying, not, not one of the but greatest, the cadence of his voice. One yes. of the greatest things he ever said that I actually quote with my friends all the time, I, on the basketball court, actually, is, you know, like, that's a great shot. It either, it either goes <laughs> in or it doesn't. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like, sometimes you just got to shoot the ball. He's, but he's not wrong. <laughs> I'm a bit biased to don't be so mean, young fella, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I, Tuckerism. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose you, uh, uh, do, yeah, so you don't be so mean, young fella on Canis for anybody who's interested in that type of thing. As long as we're on this conversation, I, and I'm going to share another one of my, the greatest lines that I ever heard an announcer say that I still repeat with my friends frequently. Um, and it was the, the incomparable Bill Walton. If you're not a Bill Walton fan, just get up and walk out. I mean, he's great. You're just because he likes... No, I, I love okay. him, but you sure it's not just your grateful dead affinity that's kind of tying you together? Yes, I am sure, because he's okay. just a fantastic announcer who I do like also him. happens to have a good taste in music. So um, he said one time, Samaki Walker, that someone passed the ball to him. I think it was when Walker was with the Lakers, and it, it was right underneath the basket, and it hit Samaki Walker 
in the just in the numbers in the chest. Perfect pass. And Bill Walton says, "Where do you want the pass next time, Samaki Walker?" <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, that one comes up from time to time. Anyway, we digress. Hey, uh, Kevin, you mentioned uh, you wanted to talk about a specific player on the Wolves. Uh, just a quick tangent before you get into that. So just as we had the Levine-Levine question early in the podcast, and then... Kevin and the Kavine. <laughs> Kevin or Kavine. <laughs> Excellent. I like I that. I go by Kavine. It's oh, a, thank goodness. Now we can... Spanish. Do, oh, yes. Uh, or the... Catalina. Is that Thibodeau or Thibodeau? Tibs yeah. or Thibs? All that stuff. So is it Bazzi which, or Bazzi? That's a great question. So I go, I go with Bazzi, but, but I mean, I could be wrong. His name's Shabazz, right? Yeah. It's sort of like yeah. the Tibbs Thibs thing. I think it it's is. Shabazz, but it's Bazzi. I do think Bazzi, but it's mostly because I read it that way. And I'm just curious, yeah. but we agree for nothing. Dan, are you in on Bazzi? Bazzi and Baz. Right. You wouldn't say Baz. Yeah. Well, you could. It depends on if it works for the... The, the pun uh, you're making. The pun, yes. Pun dependent. I mean, to further co- co- confuse this issue, wasn't Sebastian Telfair sometimes kind of called Bazzi? Did we sort of say, hey, Bazzi, yeah, for sure. another yeah. turnover or something? And I think they did retire that nickname. So I think... I would have gone with no, <laughs> <laughs> You can't retire <laughs> a nickname. <then. laughs> yeah. uh, but what did you want to talk about, uh, Bazzi? So I have a working theory that... Um, I'm not even sure this is a politically correct thing to talk about, or you're supposed to say this thing about people, but... So we, we know Bazzi has Tourette's, right? Like, that's a thing that's out right, there. Like yeah. That's a thing. Um, and I was reading a little bit about uh, Tourette's. Go, to go easy. I have Tourette's. Do you actually, seriously? I actually do, yeah. So um, what I, I read uh, uh, a little bit about, there's a, a goalie named uh, Tim Howard who was on the U.S. national team for a while. He has Tourette's. And he said... Um, he said, oh, you know, uh, I also have OCD. About uh, a third of the people who have Tourette's have OCD. Do you have OCD as well? Is yes. That that's yeah. And uh, my, my working theory is that there's something about having the ball that makes Bazzi have to shoot it. Like, he visibly looks uncomfortable when he has the ball. Is that a mm. thing that to, is to possible? Me, as one who has, you know, and I know that there's, like, sort of variation, but it feels like that's an awful long tick <laughs> like, well, where ticks ter- are concerned, it's kind of like, gotta yeah, do this. Yeah, gotta yeah, yeah. That. It wouldn't be a Tourette's tick, but, uh, but like, but a, more from like an OCD a, standpoint. Well, I think we can all agree that he is an obsessive shooter. <laughs> and so maybe by definition. He, yeah, I, mean, I think, I think your theory thing. definitely yeah. has some, some merit. I think it, it's just a matter of what's kind of driving it. So it's probably, yeah. um, you know, maybe it's something about just, just how narrow his focus becomes when he gets the ball. Like, he just sees. You know, the basket just sort of just, like, beckons to him. And, and the rest of what's going on just kind of narrows or something. Um, certainly more comfortable shooting. It's a, an interesting theory, though. Yeah. So, I, so, this is, so that's my first part of my theory about Baz. My second part of my theory is that um, something about um, having that, and maybe you can confirm this because you would know, um, is that uh, having something that, that makes you, inherently makes you an introspective person. It inherently makes you conscious of yourself. It inherently makes you aware of other things around you. I don't know how other people <laughs> feel. It would be impossible to get in someone else's head. Yeah. But it's weird to me that um, if you hear him talk, that he went by Phenom Bala. Right? Like, it just does not seem congruous with his personality as a person 
to be a person who would oh I'm Phenom Bala. And then he um he was caught with uh, I don't know if it was drugs and women at the at the rookie symposium. Might have been just women. Just women. Just women. I think he called himself in. I think he intentionally got caught mm. to make himself seem cooler than he is. I think all that other stuff is affectations that has nothing to do with who he is as a person. That's interesting. At first, it's worth mentioning that like his controversy at the rookie uh, symposium or whatever that's called was the least controversial controversy <laughs> in the history of the world. Like a 19-year-old or a 20, I suppose, because of that controversy. But like, like, like whatever. Like a young, sudden, suddenly millionaire. Uh, snuck women back to the hotel room. Like this is the least, the least controversial controversy in the history of controversies. I just wanted to address your uh, your sort of the long tick to have thing, Dan. It's kind of because it, it's interesting. I th- you know it's it's not the same as a tick and a motor tick. And you, you know you mentioned you have Tourette's and I have a generalized tick disorder, which I where I have uh, physical ticks. Um, but, uh, but but something that I experience in a similar way, but it's not the same, but it's a longer thing. Is that thing where like. Maybe I'll think of a criticism in my mind that I, that I don't want to say to somebody I care about, and I'll just think like I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. And then, boom, I might say it. Mm. And so, like, there is like this thing I think with with like even if you consciously know this isn't what I want to do, but it, I have, I have an instinct to do this thing. I know that the outcome of this thing isn't going to benefit anybody, including me. But it, but there's still like a drive to do that. So thing. I, I knew that at an early age that I would have this like you shouldn't do this, and so like you absolutely are like obsessively driven toward doing it, and and it's, it's just sort of a matter of like okay, but my rational intellectual side can take over, and I won't do whatever. But I've had you know like one of my recurring nightmares is being on like a high bridge and like walking to the edge and just jumping off and I can't it's sort of like not being able not in being in a state where I can't control myself intellectually from doing something really harmful but yeah and when I was uh with a psychologist this is like really getting deep but um it was explained to me like all these sorts of brain disorders you know OCD Tourette's it's all like these clusters that sort of like intricate Venn diagram type overlapping and uh, so I think that, like, what you're talking about, your, your did you call it this motorized tick disorder or yeah. whatever, is kind of, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, I'm sure it's oh, related it definitely to is, one yeah. of those clusters. So. I think one of the fringe benefits of following a, a team, it, it's the medical science. It's just interesting to learn about the different things people go through. I mean, from Randy Foy, was that who had, like, the backwards organs so like his heart was on his right oh, side yeah. or like um, uh, pain right now he's got like a blood platelet disorder he also you know? has like miniature lungs or something oh, there's oh, something uh, with like pain pain yeah exactly and so it's just really I mean and again we cross our fingers and hope that pain you know uh, recovers well from what he's going through now uh, it sounds like it could be serious uh, but uh, it's just kind of interesting to learn more about uh, when you read these articles or when when these players are willing to share some of the things that they have to deal with in order to play, you know, extremely competitive athletics. Well, I, have, oh, I was going to say, I have a, just a, you know, I think I've mostly overcome it at this point, but like a certain amount of shame, like, oh yeah, I have trust. Cause like the associations people have, like the dude that stands in the grocery store and screams obscenities or whatever. And, and you did mention that like these pro athletes, like suddenly a thing is out there and then suddenly there's people on a podcast, like, you know, talking about it, and it's it, it's so. I mean, I, I, 
nobody did like a lot of psychological preparation of these guys to to help them understand the fact that like the world's gonna die. You're in the NBA now. HIPAA doesn't apply to you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So sorry. Someone else. I feel super guilty that I brought this up. It's but like a thing that it would be. No, I think it's an interesting talker for sure. I I don't think we're treating it disrespectfully. I mean, we're just kind of trying to figure it out. And, you know, I mean, you can see, you know, you mentioned when Bazzi's being interviewed, he looks really uncomfortable and introspective, like you said, and then he can be very quiet. I I always thought the phenomenal baller was just, he got a Twitter handle when he was 17 years old, and he was really good (laughs) at basketball. You're like, what else is he going to do? You know? I know Britt Robson. Oh, is it? So here's another name. Robson or Robson? It's Robson, I think. It's Pretty Robson. sure. For some reason, I had it in my head Robson, but so I listened to the Britton Brower uh, podcast, and they had brought up the the. Fine, so you thing. listen to other podcasts. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they have a, a tremendous one, but but they were like just plunging in, especially. Um, Robson was plunging into, you know, it's like, and I, I think it's just great that he's overcome this, you know, terrestrial. And I was like, okay, that's not, that doesn't, to my knowledge, that doesn't impact basketball. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, tread easy because you're not, you know, it, it just felt like he was getting a little into subject matter that was a little far afield. But I, th- apparently, I, I, I actually sent, um, David Brower tweeted us like, "Hey, I'm a sufferer of this condition. If you want like any insight into this," and he was like, "Yeah, we actually had a lot of people <laughs> contact us and sort of like let us know what was going on with that." So, just a throwback. I don't know if you guys remember. You might have been, you're younger than I am, but uh, Twins had a, a local guy, Jim Eisenreich, who played in the outfield for them. I think he's from St. Cloud or somewhere. He was like a great prospect, but he, uh, he had uh, he had Tourette's as well, and. Uh, uh, he was, so he, he walked away from the game for a while to deal with that, and then he wound up uh, playing for Kansas City. He had a really good career. It was great. There was a, a Nuggets point guard. I think it was a Nuggets point guard a few years, you know, like 12 or 15 years ago back that I think had Tourette's that, I mean, you know, when the ball wasn't in play, was definitely more visibly, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Miss Mahmoud out through yeah, the roof, right? That, yeah, yeah. Like he was visibly. This is the example moving. that I have that I think makes you, it, I, my opinion, uh, outside opinion would be that it would make you more introspective because he seemed like a super introspective right. guy who was very thoughtful about everything he was doing. I mean, he had another layer of sort of religious belief that sort of forced him to be really thoughtful and, I mean, had, had some controversies point. surrounding sure. him or having to do with whether or not he stood for the national anthem and the NBA kind of had to early adapt to that and his approach. And so... Um, so uh, I don't, don't want to lose uh, the Britt Robson thread without saying he is a magician at swearing. Like, he's so good at it. Like, he's, he's better at swearing than I am at anything in my life. And what's funny is if you listen to the Britton Brower podcast, Brower sometimes swears, but he has, like, an announcer voice, and he, so he sounds terrible swearing. And so it's just such a weird contrast between Brit, who is amazing at swearing. And Brit doesn't, I mean, the key to swearing, of course, is not to just carte blanche swear nonstop. You have, right. You, you know, um, one of the things that, you know, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the uh, uh, the album Lemonade by um, Beyonce. No, intimately, of course. Okay, good. As we all are. So, well, I hope so. It's an incredible album. Should have won album of the year. Even the person who won album of the year th- agrees. People but, call me Becky with the good hair yeah, on, on the song. I, I, can see, <laughs> I can see why they would. Um, anyway, I've always felt like the swearing on that album is phenomenal because it's like, 
it gives it an edginess, and she times it so perfectly, and she uses controversial words, and just, I mean, to the point where I had no problems letting my eight-year-old daughter listen to it. I was like, there's... Just there's, because she's so good at the swearing. Be, well, because there, there, were point, there was a point to it. It wasn't just swearing. It was like, I'm really angry, and a swear word is going to, I mean, it is going to convey my message in a way that a non-swear word isn't, or, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just felt like that was an under, underrated aspect of that album. <laughs> I've never heard anyone talk about it like that. That's Judicious like, use of swear words in order to let them retain their power. Yes. Their I power. Mean, yes. I, I can't claim to be a, a really interested in judicious only use of swear words. I'm a big <laughs> fan of swear words. I, I'm not into discrimination against words. If it has a consonant vowel and a, um, agreed upon meaning... Uh, as long as it's not being used to offend somebody specifically, I'm fine with it. Wait, Personally. what was the part about a vowel? A vowel. I just didn't say the, 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 the you know, A, E, I, O, and sometimes Y, U. Okay. I didn't say it right. <laughs> I said it awkwardly. Right, but I, I guess uh, I didn't understand how that tied into the... Okay, so if a word has consonants, which are in non-vowels, and vowels, and right. an agreed-upon meaning, then I don't see why we have to designate it oh. in the swear word column... Uh, it's it's just a tool. It's a word. So, like for example, right, right. the F word, everybody's favorite swear word, uh, is it's an incredibly best. handy word. It's got of course multiple agreed upon meanings that you can use in multiple contexts. Right. Um, it it's spelled in a way that's easy to pronounce. Everybody kind of understands it. It's got strength and power, uh, and yet some people like freak out if it's said in a public context. Or oh, you get an R rating for two right. F bombs, and so. I think that's weird. I, I don't understand how that's any different than, you know, the word, um, you know, loudly, which is, you know, maybe a softer version of a descriptor and, and far less personal. It's just another social construct. We have lots. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting. That. <laughs> <laughs> so this oh. has been the analytical balance. <laughs> yes. Very much. Uh, maybe we could segue to music for a bit and... As part of the segue, Dan, I appreciate your kind of being open, you know, uh, about things. And uh, as a musician, have you found that has that impacted positive or negative? Something you had to deal with as you, you know, practice your music or the way you create music? Do you think? I don't know directly. Um, you're talking specifically about the Tourette's, or your, or, or just any that sort of OCD, yeah. yeah, conditions. Um, it was just the condition in general profoundly impacted my youth where I just it, it, I would lived in Iowa and the medical profession was just where, guess, so where in so, Iowa were you? Uh, I was in Waterloo. Oh nice. I'm from Clinton. Oh okay. Yeah. So yeah, right in the middle of the hump. Yes. Yes, yeah, sorry. The, the nipple on the uh, breast of Iowa, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I um I, we're we going to have to beep that up. Yeah. <laughs> right. He said nipple. <laughs> R rated. Nipple. Um yeah, so I, I was in Iowa through through college, and uh, they didn't they didn't diagnose you know ADD. They didn't uh, they didn't diagnose anything, and it was just you know every once in a while my parents would be like you know stop that <laughs> if I had like some. No, sort of Iowa would have been a it. really rough place to have had these challenges. Any sort of like being out of the oh yeah out gosh, of the mainstream, yeah. and so I was like hyper aware of that and convinced you know like I'm the weirdest kid in the world, and I'm just but I was also into like performing and that was kind of an escape for me early on so I got into theater 
quite a bit. In well, that will prove you're not weird. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> this will make me them. fit in. <laughs> but interesting, now that you musical. mentioned that was a place where, like, I know, you know, I've, I'm a, a runner, and, like, I used to have things where, like, I would start, like, breathing in a certain, like, rhythm or pattern or something. I'd get, a, like, a side stitch, and so it would impact me there. But it was never a thing that happened, like, on stage. Would would that so would being on stage drive like a hyper focus for you and everything would be easier or I think so yeah and it, actually I would say while I play basketball because I play in a weekly league and I've played basketball a lot through my life albeit at a much lower <laughs> level even in the case I need to mention that than uh, Shabazz Muhammad but um, I I don't think I have ticks or anything or I'm driven for that uh, to that when I play ball. So I have an interesting segue off that because I, um, I, you know, again, on a way lower level, but you're right. I, I you know, the, the urge I have to sort of do these physical motor tics, which I, are kind of constantly with me, tend not to be with me when I'm really, when, when whatever's right in front of me is right in front of me and I'm focused on it. Or at least I've become less aware of them. Coffee doesn't help. Stress doesn't help. Stress does, does, doesn't help. I'm not going to say bad things about coffee in a public forum. <laughs> um, in a coffee house. I. You know, just on a side note, like if I if you're gonna list out like okay, I'm gonna improve myself, and then write like like I'm gonna write the things I need to do in order. I'm I'm never gonna get to quitting coffee. Like I might want to quit coffee, but there's like 500 priorities. Did I say I wanted so to quit coffee? Say, I'll, I'll be heading to church first before. But anyway, one of the things I love about basketball, playing basketball, is um, the extent and music's kind of like this too. The extent to which it just becomes all that there is in the world for that whatever period of time. And not many things in my life are like that. I mean, I can be doing, you know, I can be at a concert seeing my favorite band or at a movie or any number of things that I really enjoy and worried about the mortgage payment or, you know, whether or not my daughter's being bullied or or whatever stupid thing. You know, my wife wants to get another dog. And, I, you know, whatever it is that I'm worried about at the time, it can creep into my mind. But when I play basketball, all that I worry about is staying in front of, I can't, stay in front of the guy in front of me, but that's all I worry about, you know, so that's really, and so I never really am aware of, you know, kind of some of these other things. Totally agree. Yeah, that was like, uh, that was a, so there was a movie Will Smith was in really early on called Six Degrees of Separation. You may know it from the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, and Bacon. <laughs> and the, uh, but the, the, the working uh, thesis of the movie was, um, you know, he was a con man, and but he really liked being this con man in this because the family let him be all of who he could be. And that's sort of what I think you're saying, is that if you're in a situation where you could just be everything you can be in that moment, it's really nice. Right. Uh, and, and basketball is so great because it's, it's, you know, mind and body. Like, it's all, you're all in. Playing guitar, right? Yeah, playing guitar at, you know, for, I don't, I don't, for me at times is like that, uh, but it's, it's possible to kind of, I mean, I guess sometimes, some days are more mindful than others, even in basketball, but sometimes in guitar, I can kind of just noodle, noodle around and still true. worry and stuff. But, but there are definitely moments where you lock in and you're like, okay, I'm trying to remember the song lyrics, I'm trying to remember the chords, I'm kind of like, like the sound I'm doing, and then that becomes, I mean, it's definitely one of the other things for me, for sure. And Dan, you shared with us uh, a working version of a song from your upcoming uh, EP, I believe. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, and so I got a chance to listen to that. I don't know if uh, you guys did or not, but I'll just give my quick feedback. I like it. And uh, particularly because the mix, which you said, is not by any means final mix. Any, any I called song? it a mess. Yeah. Yes. But any, any song that has prominent uh, bass and organ 
it's going to be a winner with me. Uh, so I really like that aspect of Thanks. it. Thanks. And the backing vocals. It was interesting as I was listening to it, I thought the song at the end, it either needs to like, because I see it still has like X amount to go. It either needs to like build to like this big rocking, you know, like a guitar climax, or kind of everything needs to drop out except for the vocals. So it's kind of interesting because it kind of did become very, just much vocals yeah. towards the end. So I thought, oh, right, I kind of like that. So that was my uh, take. I'm eager to hear the finished version to see how different it will be from this. But um, as a song I liked in his arrangement. Uh, well, thanks for listening. I want to hear, hear yeah. more of it. The song was called Failing Fearlessly. That was the one I sent right yet. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. Put, we'll I'll include uh, at least bits of it on the drop oh, okay. podcast, too. Cool. I thought um, the end, at the end you kind of get into the vocal uh, harmony stuff, and I, I'm i not a big, I can't remember what it was, but it's like it, it's sort of in the do-do-do, la-la-la family. I, I don't think it's either of those, but you, you probably know what it is. But yeah. it's, it's, it's like a phonetic sound that you're all sort of vamping yeah. on. And I'm not a big fan of, of that the la la la's in general sometimes they work but it, the point my point is that the the vocal harmonies work and okay. so i kind of thought this is what's working best about this song maybe get that into the mix um more prominently throughout if possible okay uh, because that was the, something that i really liked um liked about the song and then it really it really came together at the end at a part that maybe didn't appeal to me as much. So I kind of thought, well, I wish this thing that appeals to me was happening at the other parts. And there, there is a, um, a, I've never actually seen Glenn Hansard in concert, but he's one of my, one of my guys. And uh, I remember watching a concert video of the Swell season when they were playing. And they had a, um, a song that, that they just in, in live concert and they were ending the song and just instrumentation i love the idea of like you know you listen to a song uh, a, a single and it like fades out and i always think it's funny i always tell my band we should have a live fade out like nobody does a live fade out like but they actually did it's sort of like the instrumentation faded and they just the vocal remained and they kept through a few cycles of that and it just like in a live setting it had a ton of power and so it was one of the things I had in mind when we were putting this song together and when we play live, we do that. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that's fun where you can sort of see, you know, everyone's kind of talking, they're doing what they're doing in a setting. And then, like, instruments are going out and you have a, a vocal, like, a harmony stack that you like and suddenly people are sort of turning around. And then there's just a lot of power in that moment where, like, you see faces kind of turn into the stage and you, you got them. So we're trying to recapture that or trying to capture that in the recording somewhat. So... Do you when you're um, when you do you, pres- do you prefer being in the studio or do you prefer performing live? I like them both. Um, yeah, I, I I would really really miss playing live when I don't. So I, I would say that, but I, I I can't think I have a preference for one or the other. Do you feel? I wonder if do you feel pressure to perform the song in person? the same way you performed it for the recording? I think you have, for me, it was a learning process that you don't have to do that. Like, that there's an idea that, like, nobody wants to hear a seven-minute song. You know, you sort of, like, even if you're not, like, a sort of commercial artist, you still want to sort of make a single version that's a certain way. And then when you get in the practice space, you should feel the freedom to take the song a totally different direction. And in fact, if you're going to have the same song and you're set for like five years, you have an obligation to those people that are coming out to see you multiple times to give them something different. And it's kind of fun if you know like, oh, you're going to be 
interested to see what we've done with this song. We're just, you know, and, and in fact, we have one of the songs on the album. This is just like a practice space thing we did. We had been playing a song a certain way, and like we, we literally like started just jamming, having fun. It was like, you know, this song is now a disco. It's like one of the songs in the upcoming EP. What's, so you guys are big enough uh, that you would have people come to shows multiple times that aren't people you know. Do you, but you would be able to I see them. Know that. Would no, <laughs> <laughs> but but you wouldn't. But you like. But you would sort of see them repeatedly. And then, do you ever see them outside of the context of the 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 concert, or do you? Well, I should clarify. We're not that big, but um, there have been people that I have met and gotten to know because through them becoming fans of the music, that has happened. It's not like a totally, you know super common thing but but there are people that are like oh yeah i've seen you at a show yeah. and yeah that sort of thing and i try to be like super i mean we're just like you know whatever not don't talk to me talk to me yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) have you ever become friendly with somebody like that is that you is this a way of asking me if i've ever like gotten with a woman (laughs) (laughs) although no that's a much better line of questioning than i have i what yeah no no has that that happened though by the way that's awesome that has happened to a drummer i used to have but no it's and that was like the it's like hey front man here no but (laughs) No, that and that never happened. That's that's a whole thing. I don't know. I, I've so in my head. I, I don't know why. Well, and actually, I should mention I've been with the same woman since I've been in a band playing around town. So that's probably the reason why that has not happened. No. You can tell yourself that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Kevin, if passive aggressive mom were at a concert with the Southern resident Killer Whales, what's a typical? Can you come up? The drop of a hat of a uh, wow. comment. I can put no, pressure so on. Uh, what's funny is I would have to know how my mom would react <laughs> to the to that situation. I don't recall her ever being at a concert, so, so you actually draw on your mother's voice. Oh, oh yeah, for and, sure. And for is sure. dad jokes drawing on your dad? Oh my, they're, they're, that's who they are, right? Like th- these dad jokes. A lot of the dad jokes are like my dad's jokes. Like I'm just <laughs> copying them down on the paper. Like, to this day, whenever we cross a railroad tracks, like, this is my entire life, not my adult, my, my entire life, whenever we cross railroad tracks, my dad will say, a train just went past here. And then we're all supposed to say, how can you tell? And he says, it left its tracks. And uh, I'm totally isn't that with my kids. Worst joke ever. But <laughs> every single time we cross these. So anyway, yes, the, to answer your question, yes, that would be... My family directly related. I feel bad now huh. because I've let lapse saying like to my daughter, uh, my grandfather's joke when you every time you pass across a uh, a cemetery, that's a really nice cemetery. People are just dying to get in there, you know, like <laughs> a very similar horrible joke, and the, and one that only works if you do it every time. Right? You can't just like <laughs> once every two years dust. So that joke. what? So what is it about us as dads that it? We understand now, we didn't before we were dads, but now we understand that if you do the joke over and over, in fact, it gets funnier <laughs> while our kids think it gets Uma, less funny. Oprah. The way Oprah. What is Uma. it? <laughs> I think it just gets funnier because it gets less funny. Right. And, and you just see, like, this, this moment of, like, acceptance. Like, ugh, but I still love you. I, I, had, a, I had a one that I think this is an original I used to do with my, my daughters when they were young, and you're there with them brushing their teeth and when they're first brushing their teeth by themselves it's like you know okay you did your top teeth you do the did you do your bottom teeth like 
And then if they didn't catch me in time, I'd grab the toothbrush and then act like I was brushing their bottom. <laughs> like they have teeth back there. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, daddy. So the worst you do is like teeth? watching your kids develop a sense of humor because it's so tricky. So like I have a 12-year-old and like watching him, like he'll have like a joke and then he'll do like the next joke and ha 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 and then like a subsequent oh that's funny but then the, by the time you get to the third riff it's always never funny yeah right <laughs> and so so like having him just trying to now you're grounded the yeah. first two were really funny <laughs> yeah. good job but that was too much go to your room and does he have a twitter account based on you, <laughs> you know? I assume at some point yeah. he will have two or three yeah, of them. aggressive dad we, we have we have a, a bit on so I, I do a basketball podcast as well and we have a bit on there that is one of the co-hosts was on vacation once and so we had a, a bit was, his name is Pat Mixdorf fake Mixdorf was calling in and so like one of us did his voice and like just did this fake interview and it's just I think it's hilarious <laughs> my 13 year old is like will not even listen to the end of one of the segments if I try to show it to her. It's like, Dad, that's just not funny. It's like, wait, oh, so wait, oh. you can get a family member to listen to your podcast? I mean, you are oh. worlds ahead of me. I think I might have talked my wife into uh, listening to like half of the first one, and then my, my daughter sometimes is a captive audience in the back <laughs> seat. They're like, I just want to see how this turned out. But one of, one of our guiding principles is like accessibility, like the idea that you're going to enjoy it even if you don't like basketball just because it's like it's sort of like car talk where like we're just laughing at each other and laughing because we're having a good time and so hopefully that sort of generates this general vibe so you, that have, like, wait, I wait, you have guiding principles <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, so yeah because that was just here. one of the guiding principles we have 12 of course pillars of we have more guiding principles than we do listeners <laughs> so so give us a cross promo what's the name of it? where can people find it <laughs> we're called first team all nonsense uh, it is, to my knowledge, the only uh, Celtics, Pacers, and Timberwolves podcast um, in the metro area. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, we're hosted by Podbean, but, you know, Stitcher, iTunes, you sort of send it out. It's everywhere. So I have a total non-sequitur, but a sort of interesting thing. We're at um, Wild Cafe on the underutilized, for most Minneapolisians, um, riverfront, water you know over in southeast and you know so where i'm sitting i'm looking across the the river there's steam you know rising up or, or fog i guess uh mist rising up from the river as the cold air is hitting the water and in the distance on the guthrie uh i can see a giant uh, the giant head of anton chekhov uh who i'm a big anton chekhov fan of his short story so it's just sort of interesting like uh, here i am enjoying the podcast and i look over and i see one of my personal literary heroes Floating in the mist. Um, you You're know, such really a fan of away. his that you would know what his head looks like. Like that's <laughs> a crazy fan. Well, it's an iconic photo. I mean, it's on the cover of. No, of sure, of course. Of all the iconic photos of this person, I've never heard of. It's <laughs> terrific. Well, have you ever seen uh, the Twitter account Antov Chekhov's head? That's actually there. <laughs> no, no I'm, it's not, a, I'm not smart enough to do a, 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 a sort of a what, of a bit Chekhov account. I mean, that would I just. I, I couldn't do it. But we uh, we live in one of the great cities of the world. This is it's great. We do, and we see uh, a good view of the downtown part of it right now. But what? Why did the the this riverfront never really take off? And they used what to are have you talking about? I don't I, understand why you don't th like every I, time I come down to the Stonehenge Bridge, it's crazy packed with people. Okay. Like, when are you coming? Yeah, no I, one I, ever I, talks about it. <laughs> no one ever says I'm going to the riverfront. 
I've been um, here, you know, my whole life. Like twice, somebody said, "Do you want to go to the riverfront?" Like it just really? never comes up. I, I think of it as a thing. Okay, I need it. Maybe I just have miss, been missing out. A lot of people don't have to go to the riverfront because there's so much high-rise condo development here that a lot of they people just are just here. sort of here already. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, yeah. yeah, no one goes there anymore. It's too crowded. That yeah. type of thing. Exactly. Because they used to do this thing where they had like this riverfront live and they had live music and like and it just didn't work. Do you remember that? It was year. I mean, it was like in the. Like when I was 21, I saw Jerry Jeff Walker, so it wasn't recently. I do a lot of running. I love to just sort of park just where you can first hit some free parking a little north of downtown and just do the loop, and it's just fall colors. When you say you fall. like running, you like having run, like or everyone you enjoy else who says the, that he's lying. Yeah, that's, that's right. No, in fact, well, he's I was gonna al- try to say how he's not lying, <laughs> and we all know. Like we've all run. <laughs> Nobody likes it. It's the us. worst. It's the literal worst. So any anyone who knows me actually knows that this is like the honest to god truth. But when you were talking earlier about sort of losing yourself in basketball and what that does, running is such an amazing meditative thing for me. It's like I get out there and I start running, and I'm just like lost and feeling so much better when I come back i'm enjoying every minute i have said the quote that like if i'm out doing like a trail run on a sunny like 70 degree day no place on the earth i would rather be nothing else i would rather be doing at that moment than that so i like it that much in fact so yeah. my mantra when i run is how much longer how much longer yeah, how right much longer? There's, so there's this how much longer and then there's this like okay i'm gonna die so like you know what what's hidden in my house that somebody's gonna find <laughs> if i die because i'm clearly about to die and like you know what you know do I have a will? So I'm not an amazing runner, but I run often enough that I'm that you're in not decent running shape that I don't feel like I'm going to die. And maybe that some of it is like uh, it's not horribly uncomfortable while I'm running. I, it's I, f- <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like motorcycles, where if you don't start it at a young enough age, you can't really recover. Because I, even if I could get my cardiovascular, I think I could get my cardiovascular to not feel like it's going to die. But I don't think I could make my knees. And ankles not I think it's like the opposite. I hear about all these runners that start when they're like 45 and they haven't pounded their knees to rubble in the preceding years. And so they run like 10 marathons a year where a lot of people who have spent their life running are kind of breaking down at that point. Yeah, so. No, I really like the excuse version better. I, I, I just didn't start early enough. And <laughs> yeah. so it's, oh, well, it just passed me by. Can what can I, do? I, I am going to like Spanish. I would love to know right, Spanish. But yeah. what could I do? I'm too oh, old. That'd be a lot easier. <laughs> um, I th- I did tell my wife the other day I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of get back into I I dabbled in running the last few years and um, if I sign up for a 5K, which is the furthest distance any human sh- humans bodies are designed to run, it's like 3.2 no, no, miles. In the hunter gatherer sense, you would never have hunted right like, past that. Yeah, like, like you got away. You'd have a 3.2 3.2 square mile if the yeah if the if yeah. it get, if the wildebeest gets away. So I'm gonna sign up for a 5K and I'm gonna I'm gonna train up for it, which means you run two miles bunch of times in a row and then one day you get up at god awful early join a bunch of weird people and run the furthest you've ever run Let, let's put on <laughs> and then you go and get let's, some let's put on the awkward bounce 5k we just need to find like a 5k stretch that's completely downhill somewhere <laughs> so you you won't take me up on this offer but i have this so like i like to do because i'm a, a geographer by trade and i like like place and space and history and stuff i love the idea of like taking somebody out I've done this a couple of times like I'll take you on a running tour of what and because I don't have enough endeavors going right now I actually wanted to launch a new business called Travel Jog where somebody like a business traveler would come to town they would hit me up 
pick a part of town where they wanted to go, and we'd go on like a six mile run, and I'd tell them about like, oh yeah, so this is where they first started. So, heard about so what you're saying, yeah. I, I don't want to say it's not a great business idea because people have different needs. What I'm hearing is you're saying you want to combine two of the worst possible things. Running with a guided tour. Like those are the two worst things that exist. Like the people you go to like, oh, let's go to New York and then you see the people that are walking around and there's somebody who's saying like, and that's the Empire State Building. And you're like, yeah, of course it is. I have, I have, you know, like I know the world. Yeah, but who else is going to tell you how many guided tours do you have of theater worth backcountry? So that's that's the sort of... Yeah, no, other people, <laughs> yeah. other people but then you like have like it. a like, six-mile stretch where you have nothing to say about the other worth. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> not true. When I, really? When we were in Istanbul, we went into the, uh, the Blue Mosque, which is one of the biggest mosques in the world. It's, it's this amazing thing. And, you know, we're in there, and, and we had like three questions. So, so this guy comes up, and he's like, he was really cheap. He's like, I'll give you a guided tour. And, and we were, were really trying to explain to him, like, we will pay your rate if you'll answer, you know, like, what year was this bill? Like, we have, like, three pointed questions. You know the answer, but we don't want you to hang out with us for the next 45 minutes. Just answer these three questions. We'll pay you. Go away. It was really difficult to explain it's, that to him. Why was, only, was it an English-speaking person? Or what did yeah, he not I mean, understand not, He that? knew how to give a tour in Yeah, you know, they did have brochures there where it said built in 1642. <laughs> I didn't see that. It, I, I mean, maybe. I just remember feeling like I do have some questions So this for was you. a pre-Google situation? Eh... Because, <laughs> I mean, I feel, I I feel like smart, I may have solved your it problem. It pre, pre-smartphone. Okay. Oh, all right. I think. <laughs> Hey, uh, let's talk some basketball just for fun. Should we? Makes sense. What? Uh, <laughs> now that there's no, no listeners still listening, exactly. let's get into why so, people so, turned yeah. in. So no, actually, our, our wives might still be listening yeah. at this point. <laughs> That's hilarious. <Yeah. laughs> so, so why is it that the Wolves probably coming off maybe their most impressive stretch of the entire season, and we don't really have a whole lot of interest in talking about it? Can anybody explain that? I can. Go for it. There, the, aside from the one little nugget, okay, there's a couple of talkers. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, since the Febu- beginning of February, has been out of this world. He's been really good. Um, and then there's the idea that the Wolves somehow are kind of, sort of, is still in the playoff hunt. But aside from that, I think the, the, as Wolves fans, you sort of know that the post-All-Star, you're clearly out of the playoff, period of the season just doesn't mean all that much i mean if if somebody suddenly somebody starts doing something now for the next 15 games that so we haven't been burned on assuming that that means something for next year it just doesn't yeah well let me ask you a tangential question based on that then so it's hard to really talk about it true on a scale of one to ten because i like to make people take concrete stands not wishy-washy data driven joe yes exactly um so you said yeah cat's been playing great Lately, Wiggins has been playing better. Uh, and assuming this kind of continues through the rest of the season, which, as you claim, is you know tanking season and, and all this other weird stuff. Uh, zero means n- we can't take anything from it. Ten means we can take everything from it. Uh, how much is Zach Levine not playing? How much can we learn from them playing without him for this stretch? I mean, I would think you could learn like nine out of ten, right? Like what they the whole season that should have been about deciding whether these three players were going to be the future of the franchise and whether or not they could play together, right? And so the fact that one of them is gone and they the two other guys are playing markedly better, probably not a coincidence. And um, 
I think it means that Zach's not long for the Timberwolves. I think I think that's tough though because they were playing so poorly to begin the season that it's and then there's it's it's almost hard to get information. I mean, people are doing doing things differently in on an individual level that shouldn't. You know, like Towns is making better decisions. Wiggins is being more aggressive. It's hard to really say does Zach Levine has his absence influenced that? I guess I don't know that. So I I feel like this season has been and this is a thing that I've I've come back to a few times with my take on Canis whatever but it feels like this whole season has been this exercise in patience where as Timberwolves fans we are not predisposed to have a lot of patience at this point because of what we've been through Tibbs comes in with a long view and he has been it I think he's actually been very consistent with like this is a process this season is kind of about evaluation I just want to see that there's progress I want to learn what I need to learn and every I I have seen so many rampant takes based on a last stretch of eight games we're totally ready to give up on done or we're you know tie before the season like the the takes on Tyus that go wildly high wildly low and I I think the idea that uh, I, I I think Tibbs is very aware this team is worse right now when Levine's playing, and I think he thinks that that it can coexist with <laughs> that may not be the case someday, and so I I think he still likes I I don't think that this means that Levine is on the way out I I think he knows that playing some of these veterans more minutes would have gotten them more wins this year, but this whole thing this whole season is about reps. No, don't, doubtless this whole season has been about reps. It's painful. It's like mm-hmm. it's like watching my kid learn piano. Like it's so painful to watch them go through this learning process. That yeah, to your point, I'm not sure what I've learned from watching them learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, it, let, just let the kid play like practice for like three minutes. That's what we do. I mean, just gotta practice. Just getting like incrementally better, learning how to read music, and we're not fighting it because it's like three minutes. I think I think that fans. Completely the same way people like over you know overrate just guys that get buckets at the expense of doing anything else good. I think people underrate how unforgiving the NBA is, especially on the defensive end, for people that don't have a lot of experience. And I think you hear a lot of the you know we, we criticize a lot of player analysts, but they all talk about you know youth and they say how many times can they say it? But it's like there aren't that many players that come into the league playing great defense. And by the way, you know like if if you know we. Towns has gotten a lot of criticism for his defense. If he had been drafted by the Spurs, do you think he'd be playing bad defense or would he be playing great defense because he's surrounded by a bunch of players that are making sure he's doing the right thing? But when you're surrounded by other inexperienced players, you, nobody covers for your mistakes. You're you're exposed constantly. And so because they're surrounded by other inexperienced, they're all, nobody's covering, everybody's failing together. I I, I just think that they're just getting exposed because they don't have experience. And I, I really am trying, you know, very much it's like Tibbs knows everything. I know nothing. <laughs> I, know, I know that I hate sounding this negative. I, I know that they're young and I know that they um, have had new coach every year. So the experience issue is really muddy, but they also aren't as inexperienced as we want to say they are. I mean, Wiggins and is what is 22? Yeah, but like, but not just age. Like oh, third no. year, Cat's second year. third year. Um, Ricky's in his like 20th year in the NBA. I mean, they, they, these, this isn't, they're young. But I don't, I, Sooner or later, that, there's an expiration the ex- date on. Yeah, there's an experience 
muddiness that I'm not sure how inexperienced they are. I will say this. I think when like Ricky being in a, uh, being more experienced and being a good defender, I think when you're a point guard, it's not like being a linebacker in football where you can sort of floor general because like he can't control what's going on behind him if if your one experienced guy was like remember how good they were defensively as a team when kg was back there like tugging pulling levine literally over into the right spot right but but to your point gorgie jang is is definitely he's he's been in the league a few years he's not young like he's not suddenly gonna do what kg did because he finally got that experience he is what he is not very good defender in space you know, so we there. There's a personnel issue. It's not just experience, in my opinion. I, I I'm I'm stuck on that. I wish I I wish I felt otherwise. Yeah, it, it's interesting. That I was kind of surprised, Kevin, that you put a nine on, on your, because uh, someone like me who's kind of always been very dubious of those, particularly Wiggins and Levine both thriving together. Um, I was still pretty low, pretty like maybe a one or a two on. Just because at the end of the season, you know, there's so many other variables. You know, the team playing better as a whole, finally getting things, perhaps. Just so many other variables. I thought, well, you can take a little bit, but not a whole lot. Uh, well, so it's not it. just this amount of time. It's the all the other time they've been together. When well, I mean, I can't remember a game where they both look good. Right. Yeah. It, they're, it, they're a weird pairing. Yeah. In my opinion. You're talking Wiggins and Levine? Yeah. And in theory, they shouldn't. I mean, let's say Wiggins and Cat keep playing the way they've been playing lately next year and Levine comes back and as he is. The style of play he has should be able to fit offensively. Defense is a whole huge issue. But, uh, you know, he's not. He, he does fine on a lower usage. He can play a lot. You know, he's kind of a pseudo six man, but also with the starters. Um, and he he might be the three and no D player that we've been looking for. <laughs> we, well, we already had Kevin Martin. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of being devil's advocate. Combine Martin. I, guess, Sorry. I mean, I like those guys, but I'm still, and I'm still dubious they can all can work, so I'm going to try to talk myself into it. But what do you guys think is going to happen? Uh, what do you think Levine's future is? Your crystal balls. That is a tough crystal ball. Yeah, I mean, that's a really tough question. What should it be or what is it is you know, kind of a pretty yeah. big distinction, answer, too, because... Answer either of those. Sure. Yeah. 140 characters left. I, I, I do think that he has, like, sky high... Like, he has v- perceived value that where, you know, conceivably, if, the, if, if this was Tibbs bent, that this would be a good time to, to get something for him that makes you legitimately better. I think the question is, does, does Tibbs think the, the Wiggins-Towns... That's your that's your core, and and you just need pieces around that, and you can do it. Yeah, I think I would have thought prior to this stretch that Levine was the guy to bet on between him and Wiggins, um, because the path for Wiggins to success has always been through defense, and I just didn't see anything that told me that that was going to come together for him, because watching him learn has been so painful. Um, it it really kind of looks like he's getting it. Po- yeah. Certainly, post All Star break, um, to it, my untrained eye, but it felt like there was a switch moment because I remember earlier this season there was kind of this is Wig, you know, actually, you know, we've been sitting there talking about Wiggins as the higher ceiling, and somewhere along the line, Zach works harder every off season or whatever is showing more measurable improvement. That there was an actual debate going on, and I feel like about a month and a half ago, suddenly it was like, what are we talking about? 
And, and I think that we maybe underrate because, you know, we think about the efficiency and how he looks in advanced metrics or whatever. But, like, Wiggins is a player that opposing defenses legitimately fear. Yeah, the, the main thing that makes me think that Wiggins isn't going to be good is that Sal keeps saying he's not going to be good. So I assume he's not going to be good. Then all right. So here's, a, here's, I mean, just to kind of muddy the conversation about if we look at the beginning of the season when the Wolves were disappointingly bad for a lot of different reasons. And then uh, the middle of the season, they kind of were just like, oh, maybe they're getting it, but then they have a bad loss, a good win. And then the, the last month, they've been markedly better with a couple, you know, uh, not amazing, but markedly better. The way you just explained that sounds actually like a pretty good season. So, well, I'm just going to say, like, you know, we we look at the, the variable of, of Levine, uh, but also I think, Ricky Rubio clearly was not healthy in the beginning of the season. And so he wasn't able to do what he was trying to do. Uh, I think Carl Anthony Towns, something was, I don't know if it was because Ricky wasn't healthy or what it was, but he was, he was pressing, and so he was off. And so, uh, you know, you wonder if, if, if Wiggins looking better has as much to do with Ricky being healthier and Carl Anthony Towns being more focused as you know and, and has less to do with Levine being gone. Do, do you think Ricky was hurt or do you think he just had no freaking idea what Tibbs wanted him to do? I think it's I think both. I think he definitely was his body wasn't right at the beginning. Because to me it looked like he was doing kind of what Tibbs wanted and was not capable of it. Yeah. So he kept going to the corner and shooting that painful you know, three. I, I think and he I, was being told to, to I, I, I think it was by design he was put in a system where he couldn't succeed as well. I think at some point Ricky's, I think his body wasn't right. Then I think he kind of got his legs under him. And I think he adjusted his game and Tibbs adjusted his expectations. I'm making this up, by the way. But this is what I think. I think <laughs> it's they plausible. Ca- I think they came. You, mean to you a, don't have insider sources. I think they on came Ricky to an under- I think they came to an understanding. He stopped putting Ricky completely in the corner. Um, it, it wasn't free willy Ricky that we saw years past, but he still allowed him to run the offense a little bit more. I think we saw more pick and rolls with Cat um, later in the season. I, I don't know. I just. I just think there's always so many variables. It's hard to know why things are the way they are. I think Cat getting better at passing out of the double team was huge for the whole season. I mean, that was painful early on when he was forcing it, and I, I think the extent right. to which that freed up Wiggins has been a big, big. No, no, where Levine leaving maybe impacts Wiggins is it just it it doesn't confuse who's the sort of second ball handler. You know, if 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 Wiggins, Rubio, and Levine are all on the court who's the second ball handler uh mm-hmm. it's sort of confusing um or who's the second creator or whatever now with levine not there i mean i guess you go through cap but he's a, as a big it's just a little different i don't know it's, it's just i hate the loss of analysis with levine can can he become a defender uh and uh, or can he become an anchor of the second unit is he willing to play that role and shine in it can he <laughs> that's the thing we have like four guys who'd be great anchors of second units yeah. i mean ricky would be a great second yeah, but point guard right Muhammad Jane, is great yeah. as a i think Muhammad is one of the best six men in the league yeah. coming in and just adding instant offense right but levine uh, off the bench would be great as a six man like right five guys like that yeah we can have an incredible bench we just need three <laughs> three more starters <laughs> The problems with the bench. No, <laughs> the problem is that the bench is starting. And yet, and yet, our bench has been terrible. 
Oh, you're saying that <laughs> we have a great bench, <laughs> right. but they are starting you yeah. Starting the bench. Yeah, Cat yeah, would make a great backup center. Probably the best <laughs> one in the league. Listen, there's no question he would be the best backup center. What if you have a coach who's like sole intent is to get six man of the year out for his team? He's like, I'm just right. going all out <laughs> towns. On the one of these guys is going to be six man of the year. That's kind of a weird award, though, right? Because what's the qualification that you start X number? You don't start X number of games or something. Bring him in at 30 seconds into every game. You got the word just (laughs) locked up. Game it. Game the system. So what are we looking for over the rest of the season? I mean, I've sort of poo-pooed the idea that you can get any information from it. I think I overstated that. I don't think that's I don't think that's completely true. So what are we looking for? Dan Dan raised his hand. This is the most polite. Yes. Yes. Try to avoid. This is one of the guiding principles of my podcast. As you raise your hand, before you <laughs> um, I, personally, I'm thrilled that we are. You can say that we don't have very high odds of getting in, but we're we're in a playoff race right. for the first time in 12 years. So I just want to have watch them possibly win a lot of games, and they have a terrible schedule. But actually, so does Denver. I was looking there. They they play like San Antonio a couple times, and you know they they have some tough games. So I, I, I just want to watch and, and have fun and, and hopefully the various signs. And we haven't mentioned Bayalitsa yet, but he's had, like, what, two double-doubles in a row. I want to see if he can sort of establish himself as, a you know, our possible long-term solution. As I think the, the great point about what you just said is that, it, you know, even if the Wolves don't make the playoffs, the fact that it's still on the table means that we're, we might see some games – from which we can derive actual meaning, like some meaningful games. And they so might be fun. And they see. should be fun. Yeah, I'm completely the other way. I would much rather see us tanking the last few games. And I know everybody's like, oh. I would much Wait, rather get the a mute Where's the mute button? Right? <laughs> yeah. Get us a draft pick. And then just constant, like they've been really doing well getting the defense honed in. Like if they just concentrate on that. You, you, you make right. a good point. We do need more young talent. <laughs> Well, I see well, these guys aren't these guys aren't young anymore. We need to bring in some young, fresh players. <laughs> I assume you mean so we can increase the value of that draft pick in the trade we're going to make. But no, I would take a draft. Like, this is going to be a great draft. Like That's it would be would have been great if we had gotten the fifth pick in this draft as opposed to the last draft. I just want to make it clear that was not Dan Hilton with that take. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I want for the rest of the season is. Uh, and I'm agnostic on the GIF versus GIF controversy. Those GIFs. I just want more Ricky Rubio pass GIFs or GIFs. You guys see the one the other day where he uh, that kind of look pass to to Bazzi. Uh, uh, where, where they like he spun yeah. and bounced oh, past yeah. it through traffic. Yeah, I just love watching those things over and over. Try to figure out wait a how how did that work? How did he do it? It's just so much fun. So I just want more of those uh, GIFs. GIFs. And then if they could just blow the shot, that'd be perfect. Then. Yeah. <laughs> so they could right. get the third draft pick. What do you want, Jer? Yeah, I want to see I want to see them win basketball games, whether they make the playoffs or not. I'm the opposite of Kevin. I just think that there's value in, in closing out games and winning. I think I could adjust on that. I'm not there yet. There'll come a point maybe in, in the end of March where, okay, there are four games out of the playoffs. That's not going to happen, and they're three games away from the third you know, ping-pong ball slot. Maybe I can be talked into, but even then, I don't want to outright try to lose. I just want to start uh, done. I have <laughs> which never is a, watched. Which is an easy way to lose. I have never watched a Timberwolf game where I've rooted for them to lose, like tanking sort of thing. So I think I'm as anti-tank as you can possibly. I just want to. S- I like to watch basketball, and I like to watch my team win. And it's like I don't want to think about draft and. And when it comes time, it's like it's lottery balls anyway. You might not right. even get the. You usually, if you're the Wolves, until recent, you know. 
you don't even do well in the draw anyway. So we're starting to um, have been here a while. We finally talked about basketball. Maybe we should wrap it up. Do you guys want to tell people where they can find you if they are so inclined on uh, Twitter or uh, any other formats, uh, Skype? Can we find um, people on Skype? Where are you on LinkedIn? So <laughs> yeah, MySpace page. Jeremy's looking at me. So, um, well, southernresidentkillerwhales.com. Uh, you would find and be able to sign up, whatever. We, we love to get people signing up on the email list. Or we're also bands in town. I don't know if anyone uses that app, but find out when bands are, like, playing around. So we're on there. Um, and just find out when we're playing. Uh, and then, again, first team all nonsense. And uh, we, we're pretty active on Twitter, but there's we're not there's not quite as much nonsense in our Twitter account. Is it always you on Twitter? I'm a lot more active because I sit in front of a computer all day. Okay. Um, but no, so there's uh, two other guys, and they're sometimes in there tweeting. Okay. But uh, yeah. But the, the, the Dan Hilton or the Southern Resident Killer Rail. We're on Dan Hilton. Tw- yeah. That's always you. That's always me. Yeah, Dan Hilton music um, on Twitter as well. Okay. And you can you can find me on Canis Hoopus. I'll be on there. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just a regular person. Yeah. That I know <laughs> outside. Would you yeah. do you want people to know where you are on Twitter? Or no, is that I mean, secret? I, I, so it's passive aggressive mom and Catalina Wine Mixer and Kevin Mancher are my three Twitter accounts. And uh, I, I don't. I yeah. How often do you accidentally tweet from the wrong one? All the time. <laughs> like it's really, that? it's really not set up for you to flip back and forth super easy. No. Um, and and Canis has gotten a lot worse too, where flipping back and forth is really a pain. So I hardly ever do it anymore. Oh, could, could I just mention too what the the CD that CD, <laughs> may, tape, which may or may not be yeah, a CD. Dan's got a new tape coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I still I'm a big, uh, still a big, like physical product guy, but. Um, Legendary Seasides is the name of the EP that we're working on. So cool. How how soon? Perhaps we're actually currently dark from playing live because I got it. Just we've been at this thing for a year to get six songs, and I'm like this is enough. So we're um, hopefully we wrap up recording in the next month, month and a half, and then uh, early summer release. I would like to think. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. This is fun. It's fun. Thanks. You can come in here for seven years. Definition of crazy You're staring out To fail a tears Prison's a better word than lazy Not gonna try to calm you What I say might bring you down All things come together in this moment Things don't go around, around, round, round. You're gonna feel bad for a moment, huh? Mm, but you got to let it play out. Something you might perceive as a failure, uh, but you got to proceed in spite of your doubt. Stop before you depart
some sense not meant as a warning. What are you gonna do when the adrenaline dies down? Can't rely on chaotic energy. Oh, whoa, whoa. get it off the ground, off the ground. You do this aware and with for feeling. Talking about in the moment when you feel least courageous. Whoa, that's the moment when you really gotta let it play out. You don't have to feel good after good decisions. Oh no, without this thing through, I'm gonna. 